Um, so a couple other questions. Uh, what's the name of the tradition you were part of when studying to become a monk? I actually studied a lot of different traditions. Part of the reason I didn't really take vows was because I couldn't find a tradition that fit 100%. That's the other reason I didn't take vows. Um, so I studied with a lot of different traditions. That's part of why I do what I do. So I, I, my experience with meditation is that um, we're, I was explaining this to Dr. Mike the, on, on our last stream, but like, you know, the challenge is when you learn meditation from a monk, um, what? It's just crazy to be like, oh, I was explaining this to Dr. Mike on Dr. another street. Like Dr. That Mike was is really, great. He was He's a good, great. good dude. Um, so the, the challenge is that when you learn meditation from a monk, they usually are from their tradition, right? So they're going to teach you their way of meditation. And, and I, I've just met very few people from one tradition who will say to someone, you know, if someone comes and tries to meditate with them, I, I don't know if I've really ever, I've heard it like very rarely, like I'd say like 95% of the time, they don't say anything like this. And that's generous. And they don't say like, oh, you would be better suited if you went to a different tradition. And so part of the reason that, you know, we teach, I teach meditation the way that I do is because not all meditations are the same. Um, and it's not really about whether they're equal. It's just like, why are there, if you look at sort of the karmic tradition of religions, like Buddhism, Hinduism, Jainism, things like that. Wow. Thank you. Morbid rainbow. <laughs> Thanks. Again? Um, Wait. I, I don't know. But is this bar updating? Honestly, I really like rounded numbers. They're pleasing. <laughs> yeah, but this is going to get trolly if the bar doesn't update, dude. We're going to be extracting donations to people preying on the people who are touch OCD. Donate like 73 cents just um, to get other people oh, to... Anonymous has donated $1,000. <laughs> what? You guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. So uh, to put like donations into context a little bit, we give out these things at the foundation called second chance grants. And so you can apply for a grant somewhere between $500 and $2,500 to like, you know, I need, I need to cover month rent for another month so I can continue to look for jobs. I need to cover this much of my tuition. So this money like is, can really help people. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing because I, I, I really do want someone to like, you know, I, we don't solicit that hard for donations, right? Like we're here, we just tell you guys what we're going to do with the money. And it's like, if you guys want to support our work, like we'd love it. This is, this is what we're here for. And if you guys donate $5, we'll use that. If you guys donate $15, we'll use that. But I really do want to see a $333 donation and 33 cents because that would be cool. Like I just feel, I, I feel that. Um, so, but then I don't know, I don't know if and that's perfect. Happens? And then we stop getting donations. That's fine. You know, it's like, if, if that's the end of the road, that's the end of the road. Like, you know, we're going to, we're going to do what we're going to do what we can with what you guys give us, which is what healthy gamers all about. And everything that we've done is because of what you guys have given us. And that includes not just donations. It also includes your attention. It includes your views. It includes your subs. It includes telling your friends. It includes, I know this is crazy, telling your parents. And so this is where maybe I can segue. So I want to just tell you guys a little bit about the research that we're doing. So we have three IRB um, approved studies that are underway for people who don't know. Anytime you do like an official research study involving humans, it has to go through something called an individual 
I mean, uh, institutionalized uh, institutional review board, I believe. So if you want to do studies on humans, you have to like get approval from like an outside third party institution. So we're running three studies right now. They're entirely self-funded. Um, just to give you guys examples on, on what the studies are. One study is to see if coaching is actually helpful. You know, I know we talk about it. I know we have these preliminary outcomes. I, I know it's like a product that we offer. I know it sounds weird, but we're actually objectively studying whether we can help people. Now, I personally feel really confident in the coaching program. And at the same time, as an organization, we think it's important to have objective measurements. And if the coaching program is not effective, then we'll publish that, right? Like, it's important for us to know. I mean, preliminary data, I'm, I'm like 99% sure that the data will be good um, or that it'll show an effect. But, um, you know, so that's one of the biggest studies that we're doing is like, is this experiment actually helping people? Now, we get a lot of anecdotal evidence, right? People are saying, oh, coaching has helped me a lot and things like that. And like, you know, um, so we get that a lot. But the question is, you know, for the, the you know, does it like, can we actually say like scientifically that it works? I think people are screwing up. Someone donated 30. No, 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 no. They didn't screw up. They fixed it. Wait. No, hold on a second. Yeah. Because someone donated $33, then someone donated $300.33. But then some rando in the middle screwed it up <laughs> with a dollar and 69 cents. And then we can't really get mad at Stringard, who donated $20 for a good cause. Like, we can't get no, mad at him. No, can't get mad at him. Because he's trying to make the world, a, or she, is trying to make the world a better place. So we can't get upset with them. But inside, I'm a little bit disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, thank you. Seriously, you're going to help someone with that money. We're going to put it to good use. We're going to put for therapy for um, all OCD. So a couple of other research projects. So we've got that. So here's another big thing. So I actually had a really interesting conversation with a, you know, a colleague from Harvard today who was talking about, um, you know, the academic approach to like video game addiction. And I think a big problem with gaming addiction is like everyone's studying it. They're like, is it an addiction? Is it not an addiction? No one is really looking at the positive impacts of video games. And so part of what we're actually trying to do is develop a standardized instrument. And this is what we use internally, right? So what we try to do for people who are addicted to video games is we ask them about their negative video game behavior. But then we also try to do like measure what? What's happening? Morbid rainbow. You're the best for trying to keep rounding things the right way. <laughs> Morbid rainbow and pee That's amazing. Yeah, you know it's a fun it's a fun stream when <laughs> we're calling we're we're giving more attention and praise to the person who donated nine dollars and sixty four cents as opposed to the anonymous one thousand dollar donation. <laughs> totally fine. More and then right some now. some people are just giving sixty nine dollars and sixty nine cents. Yo, if you guys are giving that, it's not even like sure you can show that, but then the total is not going to be that. Like if you're trying to do the sixty nine four twenty business, you're gonna like. <laughs> You know, you got to round, you got to do maths, chat. You <laughs> got to troll it to the next level. Best number. Best um, number. Anarchists. Can I, can I keep spieling about research? Cause I'm excited about this. This is, this is what Alec does. I'm from Harvard. I'm from Harvard. Blah, 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 blah. And nobody does this, but at Harvard we do this. And if this doesn't happen at Harvard, then nobody can do no, it. We're, so we're... then we have to do it. And even if we can't do it at Harvard, then we must do it ourselves. No, no, no. You're missing the point. I'm saying... Even at Harvard, they don't do that. But here at Healthy Gamer, we do it. Like, you've That's got the accent. Said. No, like, 
I did mention that, but because I'm from Harvard, if I didn't hear it, it didn't happen. No, no, no. The emphasis is that the ego is on healthy gamer, not at, on Harvard now. No, it's I everybody the that's been I'm to not Harvard wearing, I'm wearing the... has the ego wherever they go. You know why she's upset? Why she had, this is an issue for her? I'm not upset. This is not an issue. This is this is a general arrogance that I see. But you're the expert. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. Well, I I think it's just you know. At Harvard, we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Some of us applied to Harvard and got in, and some of us applied and didn't. Sometimes people are better about that. Is that what we're doing? Is that what we're doing? No, 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 we're not. I'm sorry. I love you. You're great. Some people get in. I've told you that I I thought it was the first year they apply, and some people fail to get in several years in a row. Fair enough. Hmm. And by the way, I didn't go to med school at Harvard. It's tough. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually think I actually think it was great that um, Gruthi didn't go there. It was good. Best decision she ever made. Um, so, going back to the research, can we go back to research? Who's I'm oh, from Harvard, who do you think is winning? Wait, wait, hold on. Who do you think research. is winning? Who do you think is winning? Between me and you, I think this has to. Who is winning has to be me versus you. That's Why? the only. Why are you fighting? We're no. I mean, we're we're fighting. If you think we're fighting, oh no. But who do you think? Twitch. This is a poll. I see it now. They're asking who is winning. I am. Fuck. <laughs> I knew it. Dude, how am I? What? I'm getting destroyed. 81 19? Come on, chat. I fucking show up th- three days a week to try to improve your mental health. and, and I show up every day to improve your mental and, health. And and I, I get a measly 19%? GG? Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, well... I mean, I was expecting that you would win, but mm-hmm. like I was thinking it'd be at least like 60-40. I think that like I got to have because this is, you know, that's because at Harvard they protect your ego. <laughs> <laughs> and in the real world they don't. Mm-mm. Don't do it, chat. GG <laughs> get wrecked shitties. <laughs> uh today Dr. K was the shitty that was wrecked. <laughs> All right. All right, fair. Fair. It's okay. Fair. I still love you. I know. I love you too. Okay. But seriously, am I done spieling about research? I think you're going to have to be. Okay, fine. I can't take it anymore. All right. Fine, 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 fine. Okay. So we're doing other research. Like, um, you know, we've got, we're trying to figure out a, a good project for pornography addiction, um, incels, things like that. We've got a couple of other research things. A couple of research projects that we've got working are like super academic, like, um, Sorry, I said I, I'm not supposed to talk about it, but can I just finish? At Harvard. Yeah, I just really... We don't follow instructions. So we've got... This even is, this if we're is, the ones that give the instructions. Th- this is kind of like... I, I don't even... Um, if people are going to find this interesting. I find it fascinating, but... At we're, Harvard, we're I actu- find everything can, fascinating. No, you cannot, because you said you would stop. <laughs> okay, fine. But it's so cool. Okay, I'm going to count mind. to ten. Okay. I'm going to count to ten. Okay, no, no, that's fine. Fine, 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 fine. Let's move on. What are we moving on to? Okay, we talked about research. Literally anything else. Okay, fine. Fine. Research is important. It's a huge part of the foundation. I just can't anymore. But if you guys want to hear about it, he will be happy to tell you. Sure. Please talk about it. Tell us. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll stop. Okay, so so here's an interesting 
hypothesis that we have. So we have a hypothesis that our coaching program will become less effective over time. I thought you may want to know this. So this is fascinating. What, why don't you schedule a meeting? So here's, here's the interesting thing. So why would the coaching program... So if you look at the coaching program over time, what there's a possibility, because we've noticed this already a little bit, that... So when we started the coaching program, the amount of stream, YouTube, and other stuff that people consumed from Healthy Gamer was relatively low. Mm. Right? So when we... St- our first coaching client was in February of 2020. And what's interesting is it's possible that watching streams, so we've noticed this in our coaches. So y'all are learning by watching stream. And the best example I can give you is that you guys can spot an emotional dodge. You guys know this? Like when we're interviewing someone, y'all are good. You will see like, oh, that person's dodging, dodged, dodged, dodged. And so the interesting thing is if you think about what that is, that is emotional awareness of a defense mechanism at play. And as you become good at like noticing those things, there's a chance that you will actually like improve your life. And sometimes we see these posts where I'm a little bit skeptical and people will be like, yeah, like, uh, like my life is transformed and Dr. Kid, like, oh my God, like I'm changing my life from watching. And, I, and there's a part of me that's a little bit skeptical. It's like, I know what we do at here is Harvard, good. Harvard, we are skeptical. No, it's not Harvard. Um, but like, you know, how much can you really change your life by watching someone on Twitch and YouTube? And the really interesting thing is that if we look at our first cohort, like if we look at the first cohort of people in the early part of 2020, the coaching program may be way more effective because they came into the program way less knowledgeable. So if you look at the effect size, like if we look at like, let's say like a 47% reduction in like depression or anxiety symptoms, which is I think somewhere ballpark around what the number actually is. That numbers could go down over time as more people watch stream. And as they enter the coaching program, they've already gained like 10 or 12%. Yep. So we're actually like, uh, we just talked about this yesterday, doing a study comparing the end, the, what is the level of depression or anxiety of people who join in April of 2021 compared to April of 2020. And because it'd be really interesting if the baseline is different, because if our coaching program reduces, like, let's say we see a 30% improvement instead of a 47% improvement. Why is that? Is it because coaching has gotten less effective? I actually think it may be because I know it sounds crazy, but y'all are learning. And so like, there's some improvement from just watching YouTube or Twitch or whatever. And it's not just watching, it's the application, right? So as you guys like watch this stuff and you apply it, it's possible that the baseline of people who enter the coaching program will improve. So that's the kind of research that like we want to do that I find fascinating. Like, you know. Well, I think it's it's so <clears throat> powerful to have a more robust kind of toolkit other than like, because the mental health landscape traditionally is just therapy and meds. And it's so great to have like a more robust kind of toolkit around like content, education, skills building coaching, all of those things, um, rounding out and showing that they're effective. I love it. Okay. So just a couple of comments. So one person is like, couldn't COVID account for the difference? Absolutely. So remember what we're doing is a cross-sectional study comparing two points in time. So there's no causation there, but we can still point out that the baseline has changed, right? For whatever reason. So it's possible that coaching was more effective in 2020 because people were worse 
and their baseline was lower because of COVID. So co- coaching was able to help them more. That's absolutely, we can't imply, we can't look at causation from two cross-sectional studies at two points in time, right? We can just say that these two things are associated, but we're not sure if that's what the cause is, which is why, brilliant, one of our um, researchers talked about seeing whether there is a correlation between entry into the coaching program and the numbers, number of hours that you watch on Twitch. So that's the, the next study, which is like, is the number of hours that you watch our streams or YouTube content correlated with your baseline when you enter the coaching program because then you can get closer then you could say maybe it's not covid because we can actually demonstrate a relationship between these two variables anyway i'm done nerding out well i think what you're saying i mean i think it's great because then you're saying like is just information like what is the power and value of information if you are pursuing some sort of sorry i said i was done can i keep going no we say we no, because done. like, seriously, like this is fascinating. So I want y'all to really think about this. Like there, there are mental health challenges, which things like dating apps are creating new levels of pressure on our mind, right? Video games, YouTube algorithms, all of these things, Instagram, all of these things are creating new kinds of mental health challenges. So the question is, can we fight fire with fire? Can we actually use content on the internet to improve someone's mental health? Forget about therapy. Forget even about coaching. Is it possible to demonstrate that YouTube or Twitch can be used to actually statistically significantly and clinically improve your mental state? That is a revolutionary question that we must answer because right now we're losing the battle against mental health, the war. Like it's getting worse every year. It's the only part of medicine that is not improving over time. And so we've really got to start to think a little bit about like, as we add these more and more like wonderful and yet toxic things to our mind, like how are we going to deal with that? And the power of community too. I want to, that's something I'm interested in because like, so our three pillars are content coaching and community. And I think exploring impact of content is amazing, but I think so many, especially through COVID, so many of us, like, kind of all we had was each other. So I think that, I think that's worth exploring as well. So Aaron Internet asks, is mental health actually getting worse? What is your evidence? Yes. Mental health is getting worse. <clears throat> Let me see if I can And it find. disproportionately affects young people, by the way. Um... Let's see. Uh, okay, you, you can keep talking. What's next? You talk about this. I'm going to find this dude reference. Okay, but... All right. Uh, you want to talk about... We talked about this, right? You want to talk about the nonprofit? We've done... This is all done? I we think, talked about nonprofit. We what we needed to hit. LSF Charity. Huge props to LSF and everyone who donated to LSF streamers and raised money for us. I think it's next week we're doing a stream with some of the LSF mods. And um, part of this whole Healthy Gamer experiment has been diving into kind of the life and world of mods. And it's really interesting. Um, So we're developing mental health support structures for our own mods who often are kind of stepping in and hearing a lot of stories and that take their own emotional tool toll on people. 
Um, and we're going to try to start supporting our own mods. But as we do that, start building tools for kind of moderators for other online communities as well. And I think to the extent of like fighting fire with fire, I, I just think it's so cool kind of what we can do when we use these tools together. Are so here, here's yeah. a quick. It's kind of waiting for you to jump in with some of those. So, so someone's asking, is it getting worse? So this is U.S. data, but I'm pretty sure the World Health Organization data is easier, is just the same. So if we look at, let's look at, this is suicide rates. Can you go to the, that side of the page? Nope. So this is suicide rates, okay? All ages, age adjusted. So this looks like it's Hispanic origin. So the trend is uh, same across, all, I think, pretty much. I mean, there may be differences, but... So if we look at, like, age-adjusted, right? So, like, this is su death rate by suicide. So 13 people per 100,000. And then it goes down to the 12s, goes down to the 10s, and now it's on the climb again. Right? So 10.4, 12 point... Like, this is an alarming increase. You guys get this? This is, like, a 40% increase in 20 years. Um, and then let's see if this is, is this just Hispanic? Yeah. So this looks like it's just Hispanic. Um, no, it's not. Oh, it's, uh, sorry. It's not, it's not Hispanic. Asian, Asian or Pacific Isle. Oh, here, here's, so this is white males, mm -hmm. right? Um, so you can look at it. It's broken down based on race. So th this is white males, but let's look at like, so we see once again, so in, in 2000, let's look at people of uh, black or African-American male. And we see that, so it was low, started to creep up, went down a little bit from 9.1, and now we're back up to 11. And look at the climbs with young people versus older people. Like, it's, it's worse for young people. Yeah, like, good point, right? Look at this, 11%. Up to 16%. That is shocking. Almost 17, yeah. Just imagine if our if our cancer if our death from cancer rate increased by 50% over 20 years, what what would people be doing? Like this is staggering that I want you all to think about this. People are killing themselves 50% more than they were 20 years ago. That is a shocking increase. Like 50% increased suicide rate. Disproportionate for young people. Disproportionate for young people. I mean, we can go, you can look at, you know, all that data. Like it's from the CDC. And by all means, check out the World Health Organization. I but like when, when people are like, what's my evidence? Like you can look at that and you can dispute some of these numbers. You can say it's due to this. But even if you discount, if you forget all of the nuances and you be as generous as you can... Like, maybe it's not actually 50%. Maybe it's 50% in this particular ethnicity in this particular country. The overall trend across the globe is, like, staggeringly bad. Cancer has not gotten 50% worse. It just hasn't, right? We're doing better. Like, COVID, you could easily argue that, you know, infection, infectious disease, we're losing the battle on infectious disease, but I don't think so. I think it's, it's actually a, a COVID in some ways is a sign of, medicinal success because we've been working on an HIV vaccine for 40 years. And like we have a COVID vaccine within one year. 
that is like an infectious disease juggernaut of medicine being able to deal with a global pandemic that would have wiped out like 20% of the population. And like, we've managed that, right? Like sure. A lot of people died was a terrible, absolutely. But like back in the day when you had highly infectious, highly virulent things, you had things like the bubonic plague where like huge swaths. Will you look something up for me? Yeah. How many people died by COVID in America in 2020 and how many people died by suicide in America in 2020? Oh God, it's not even close. I think like 60,000 people died by suicide, I think. Would be my guess. I thought um, I saw. Dude, COVID is crushing yeah, every yeah. other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one month where um, there were it, more... It's like orders of magnitude. Yeah. I know depression yeah, tripled look. numbers of deaths. How's yeah, this, yeah, yeah, how's yeah, this yeah. for Harvard Andy? Yeah, there we like go. Like 10K off, but in the... Yeah. Right? Good job. Good job. Good job. So... Um, and then, like, COVID deaths is in, like, the hundreds of thousands. I think 500,000. Yeah, so it's, like, an o- order of magnitude worse. It's, like, not even 10X, close. Yeah, okay. Anyway. You're What's scarier is that, like, is that 20 years ago, that number was, like, 28,000, 30,000. Right? So it's, it's, like, it's the thing that we're losing. Yeah. Um, so anyway you slice it, mental health is getting worse. Um, and I think what I'm excited about with the foundation is to be able to say like, okay, it's getting worse, but what now? Like, what can we do to kind of turn that ship around? Because a lot of, you told me something the other day that I thought was really interesting. So the PHQ-9, which is the scale of depression, is owned by? Pfizer. Pfizer, who makes? Pharmaceutical medications. Including antidepressants. So... You know, in whose interest is it that a pharmaceutical company is the one that's, like, measuring depression outcomes? Yeah, so I, I think it's, like, there. you know, I, I, I'm i not a—I think that the, there's really more nuance to, like, the pharmaceutical side, like— I'll, I'll, I'll I don't, agree. I mean, do pharmaceutical companies—do they do things for profit? Absolutely. And at the same time, like, as a doctor, when was the last time— you heard anyone complaining about like, you know, Tylenol making huge bucks off of the medication, right? So like, like generally speaking, the way that patents work, insulin and stuff is an absolute mess. But if you look at a lot of the medications, like I think it's generally good that pharmaceutical companies exist and make medicine and then they go off patent and they're generally more affordable. They, they did it. What? They made a fun number. Oh, 888. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Good job. Where's where's the fifty five? <laughs> where's the fifty five thousand dollar donation chat? Come on, man. <laughs> um, so let me anyway keep going, Kruthi. I'm just looking at some World Health Organization stats. I mean, I, not to like belabor the point a million times, but I think there's just more to mental health than has been done, and I think there's a larger interest here, right? And one of the joys of this experiment is that you guys are the ones who fund us so we're not beholden to anyone else yeah i could give a shit about the insurance industry i could give a shit about therapists i could give a shit about your parents like i don't work for them i work for you guys and that's why this foundation is gonna happen so i 
I, I think that this so like the, I got I to talk more more about research. Sorry. Got it. Got it. So, so this is it. this is why we're developing the instrument to quantify like video game addiction. That includes positive effects of video game addiction. So this is the big problem um, in the academic community right now is that like all of the instruments just look at the negative sides of video gaming. So you know if you take away someone's video game, does it help them in school or stuff like that? Like possibly, but the question is. Does it worsen their anxiety? Do they lose a sense of community? Like, do they lose, like, their connection to the people that are, like, important to them? Like, our Discord communities and things like that. So we, we're trying to, we're testing, and we've already developed it, so it's undergoing testing to see if it's actually valid or not. But an instrument that looks simultaneously at negative impacts of video games and positive impacts. And what we find through our, our program is that we this is you know what we're shooting for. People play fewer video games and they enjoy them more. So I'm not playing 20 hours of LOL a week. I'm playing 10 hours of LOL and I'm having more fun playing 10 hours than I ever did playing 20 hours. So that's what Healthy Gamer is about. It's about helping y'all have a good time, building a life that's worth living, Valorant, whatever. Dota, whatever. If you're playing 20 hours of Dota, 10 hours of Dota, no one's having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie numbers, yeah. Right. So, anyway, so that that's the that's that that's why we're doing all this stuff. And I just don't know that like if I'm a pharmaceutical company and I'm developing an instrument to measure video game addiction, I cannot conceive that the pharmaceutical company would care at all about measuring the positive effects of video game addiction. Like, why would they care about that? Like, people just don't care about that. And so a big part of the research that we do is it's like, and it makes sense, right? So I, I talk to people about this, you know, about like, like in the American uh, Psychiatric Association and things like that, even at the World Health Organization, about like, you know, how much funding is there for video game addiction? And they're like, there isn't. People are dying of opiates, like at an alarming rate. So that's what we're focused on. Like, I don't blame them, right? But at the same time, these things are important. Like if you look at research on incels, literally 20 to 30% of the papers on incels focus on like five individuals. A third of our research on incels is focused on five mass shooters. And so what that means is that like there is a huge skewed perception in the academic literature because... That is like the small, small, tiniest percentage of the incel, right? It's like, like how many incels exist and what percentage of them become school shooters. And there's an academic bias towards these things, which sort of makes sense, right? Because you get like people at academic institutions that are like, oh, let's study the school shooter because right. it's like interesting, right? Because that's what gets in the news. But for, for like, you know, one out of like 100,000 incels that picks up a gun and, and goes crazy, there's like 99,999 that are like suffering at home. And whether they're fem cells, incels, men, women, like we just don't know. And it's a growing problem. And who's going to study this stuff? Right? And it's, anyway. I feel like I'm, yeah, I, I should stop talking about it. So like I love wait, 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 wait. You I'm, should have. I, 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 I know. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. I, I should just stop talking about research, but oh. it's like, now you guys have gotten me started, so... Did they get you started? Yeah. Or did you get you started? Well, I mean, I didn't have something else to talk about, At so... Harvard. No, I mean, like, if I was interviewing a person, I wouldn't cite statistics right and left, right? Like, but it's like... 
Does anybody have a fun question completely unrelated from research? We can talk about other things that we're Are doing. you a quitter? I think that's what it says. Uh, put on my glasses. Does he continue harboring? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, chat. <laughs> Help your bro, Dr. K, out. Give me a license to keep spieling. No. Oh, no, please. Yeah, who's winning now? Not me. Well, that's probably a loss for both of us. I know. Um, so just I'll tell you guys just a, something else, okay? This isn't quite research. So the other thing we're doing is um, we launched a pilot program for people who are high performance. So, you know, a lot of people in our community... Um, are struggling to like get some of the basics right, which is totally fine. Like, you know, you got to start your journey from where you are. It doesn't matter where you want to go. You got to start from where you are. And in my case, I started my journey like less than a 2.0 GPA, nothing near a Harvard Andy. And, and you know, it was like, it was rough and you got to start where you are, right? And it took me years of applying to graduate school and not getting in. Whereas some people apply the first year they get in because they generally are capable and functional human beings. And then there's us. So the other thing that, that, you know, if I actually, most of my work is actually done in, in sort of optimizing performance. So I'd, I'd like do consulting and stuff and work with like, you know, physicians and investment this, bankers this is and stuff. the AMA disabled divine. It's just. What? There, there are other questions about like, is this the AMA? It's the AMA happening. So I'm just telling them, yes, oh. this is the AMA. Sure. You guys can just ask questions. Um, so we, we launched a pilot program for people in our community who like have some of the basics down. So like, you know, are hopefully able to engage in relationships, have jobs, potentially have successful jobs. And then we tried to figure out like, how can we help these people grow? How can we help them like, you know, find their dharma? How can we help them find work-life balance? So the high performance pilot is actually going really well. Um, just to give you guys like some of the examples of the issues that people deal with. So one of my favorites is like work-life balance. So some people will talk about, oh, like I need to build work-life balance in my life. And then like, it's really fascinating because as you talk to these people, like what you'll find is like you ask them. So let's say you're overworked, you're working at 110% right now, right? Or let's say 100%. And then if you actually ask them, like what happens when you get some slack, right? Like what happens if we gave you 10%, if we gave you 26 hours in the day instead of 24? Because people are looking for productivity tips. They're looking for like, oh, how can I be more efficient? And then there's a really fascinating pattern that happens that a lot of people don't realize is that the more efficient you become, you don't start balancing your life. You just take on more work, right? So as you become more efficient, you sign up for more projects. And so the work-life balance has nothing to do. And this is the problem is everyone's looking for productivity tips. They're looking for ways to be like more efficient, and as they like add more bandwidth to their plate, they just pile on more projects. Yes. Such a common, and this is where, you know, Maya talked about it a couple of weeks ago, toxic productivity. So how do you deal with that? Where does that come from? Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, like I, I want to learn. So people came into the group and they were like, I want to learn ways to be more efficient so I can work on my work-life balance. And they're looking for techniques. And this is where sometimes we do this in coaching where people will come in with a goal. And part of our job is to show you guys that, that goal may not actually be the right goal or it's formulated from a different perspective. And we want to offer y'all like a, a shift in perspective that will actually help you build a work-life balance. 
which is to ask not how and and I think we who was I talking was it Maya? Maybe it was no, it was Sasha Gray. So common issue, right? So like how does stuff get on your plate in the first place? It's not about being more efficient. It's about what's going on in your head that lets you put more and more stuff on your plate. And until you figure that out, you will never have work-life balance. It's not about efficiency. It's not about productivity. Because a lot of people who are like the high-performance folks, like if you guys have a good job, if you're like Sasha Gray and a successful streamer and has a TV show on Ven and stuff like that, like you know how to be productive. You know how to be efficient. The issue that you still need to figure out is what's the internal driver that's getting you into these situations. You're not talking to me, right? Because I have no work-life balance. I'm not talking about you, but I think that you fall under this category, as do most successful people. So working through that is important. Um, And then like another example of like a common issue is like when we think about high performance, like, you know, what is the nature of success? And then another kind of aspect to that is like, when you think about success, is this success that you defined or that someone else defined for you? Because for a lot of people who like find themselves in situations where they're like engineers at Google or like doctors or whatever, like it was like they sort of went along with the ride and like devoted a lot of time and energy and made a lot of sacrifice. But on some level, it was never really their choice. So how do you navigate that? How do you discover, okay, what part of my life is really what I want? And what part is like what I did basically because other people told me to? Mm -hmm. And how do you go about starting to change that, right? How do you start shifting your focus to be like towards what you actually want to build as opposed to like what you should do. So a lot of this is like grappling between like what we, what we care about, what we want and what we should do. And so it's not really like a a productivity seminar because that's not actually what I find is most useful. Because if you really think about it, most of these people are like already, like they know productivity. That's not where the problem is. That's what everyone comes in looking for. But the real problem is about, like, what is it that internally drives you? Why do you make these sacrifices? What are you sacrificing for? And the crazy thing is that a lot of these people sacrifice the things that are actually important to them for the sake of what they should do. Mm -hmm. And where does that decision-making process come from? How do we understand that? Because as long as you're giving up what's important to you for the sake of what you should do, like, you're screwed. How do you find that balance? Right? How do you continue to do what you should be doing and on the, on the side at the beginning, start to cultivate your dharma, find out what your unique contribution is, find out what's interesting to you, what's passionate to you. How do you carve out that time? What, what if this is what's interesting and passionate? Like, I feel like I am doing my dharma, but I'm still <laughs> working way too much. Yeah, so when I tell you you need to do less, what's your usual response? I have too much to do. There's too much to do. There's too much to solve. I'm going to start a foundation. <laughs> yep, when you start a nonprofit over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did it. When were we supposed to start the nonprofit? I don't know, eventually, sometime. Like Q3 or Q4, right? Yeah. But then you up and did it over the weekend just felt like the right thing to do you know sure so that's like so i'm not gonna be your coach 
I know. It's my job to be your husband. But if you had a coach, if I was your coach, I would, I would dig into it felt like it needed to be done and understanding that feeling. Okay. Right? Because like, I feel that way too. I mean, the whole high performance thing started because I felt like something needed to be done and I accelerated a timeline and threw our entire team into tailspin. Yeah. Because Dr. K had this idea, which is the worst thing for the team. The thing that they dread the most is when Dr. K has an idea and for good reason. It's the worst when you have the idea on stream because we're all like, wait, what are we doing? What's happening? Yeah. So I, and I've learned. But I haven't. I've, I've learned how to temper. Well, people who go to Harvard are different. What can I say? I don't know. Why don't you talk for 60 minutes about literally nothing? <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself there. I know that was Adeline. I'm sorry. It wasn't Adeline. It's was it? fine. No, you're you fine. Seem, you seem upset. I'm sick. Do you want to go sleep? You want to go lay down for a little bit? Maybe. Okay. Sorry, than just sitting here. Okay. Like, while you do... Ret- it's weird being next to you while you're doing, like, rhetorical questions. Because I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, seriously, dude. You should go relax if you want to. All right. Forgive me, chat. I feel like I should probably lay down. It's been um, a really fun but really intense month. So now my, my body is just like, crash. We're done. Um... So I'll see you guys later. Have fun with with iyoke. Yeah, I don't. I, I. Yeah, okay. We'll have fun. Bye. Can yeah, you try you the air conditioner? Yeah, maybe that's what it is too. It's hot yeah. in here. Get some water, okay? But don't drink mine, because or take that one and then don't give it back to me. <laughs> it's okay. I'll get my own water. Thank you. All right. Love you, hon. Love you too. Love Empty you chair. Guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe I should just take maybe off. a funny number again, but then I think it. Oh, for a second, I thought it was like a little bit like pie. Three point, you know, an anagram of pie. Okay, so, ah, exams, final stress. Y'all want to talk about that? Okay, let's talk about exams for a second. <clears throat> so there's there's a lot of stuff on um, how to learn in, in the Dr. K's, specifically the meditation, the knowledge pada. So the path of knowledge about how, like literally how learning happens in the mind. But let's go over a couple of quick things. So if you've got stress from exams, um, I think key. So if you're stressed out about exams, a couple of things to remember. First of all, I know it sounds weird. You can't get a good grade. It is impossible to get a good grade. Getting a good grade is not an action you can take. It is a result. It is the consequence, the possible consequence of actions. So the more time that you spend focusing on the grade, the worse you will do. It is important instead to focus on the action you can take, which is study. So I can't get an A, but I can study for 20 hours, or I can study for 30 hours, or I can study for 10 hours. Second thing to remember is that, generally speaking, spaced repetition is good, with sleep in the middle. So we have short-term memory, and we have long-term memory. Short-term memory is when our hippocampus, when things in our RAM essentially get stored to our hard drive. And the conversion of short-term memory to long-term memory in our hippocampus happens a lot during sleep. 
So if you take a nap in the middle of the day, if you study for like three hours in the morning, take a nap and study three hours in the evening, you may learn better than if you studied at six hours at a stretch. Okay? Point number two. Point number three. Doing well on a test is not about learning. It is about practicing recall. So the functions that let things go into your mind is different from the recall of information. The storage of information and the retrieval of information are actually two different circuits. This is why if you look at a study strategy, if I read for 10 hours, I will do worse than if I read for six and practice questions for four. So what you want to do is practice recall. So this is where there's like a, a balance between like what you should really do is focus on the recall. That should be your true north. And if when you try to recall something, nothing comes up, that's what you should study. Right? So those are kind of three tips how to focus on exams. First of all, you can't get a good grade. It's impossible. What you can focus on are your actions. And this is where like if you pay attention to procrastinators... What their mind will tell them is, I can start studying this weekend and still get a B. If you have a test on Monday, what does the procrastinator's mind say? It says, I can start and still not fail. It's an outcome orientation that is going to lead to procrastination. Instead, focus on the studying. Forget about the grade. Focus on learning the material. Second thing, naps and sleep are very important. So generally speaking, if you pull an all-nighter the night before, you may be able to cram in more information and not get, not really benefit from that permanent compiling, like that, that conversion of short-term memory to long-term memory. Like it may hang around in your short-term memory long enough for you to get to the exam. This is why people cram before exams and it still ends up working. But that doesn't work. Like if I, if I stay up for 20 hours the night before versus four hours, like the five days before, and I let my brain process that material, I will do way better on the exam. Okay. And then the third thing, what was the third thing? Spaced repetition. Oh yeah. And focus on recall. So focus. And then <laughs> the other interesting thing. So this is a little bit more complicated than we have time for, but there's actually, there are different study strategies depending on your Ayurvedic dosha. Okay. So case in point, vatas are like harebrained. Like I can give you all an answer. And I like literally said these words like 60 seconds ago. And I forget what point number three was. Classic vata memory. Okay. So if you're vatas, you want to take more breaks. You want to start early in the morning. You want to wrap up early in the day and take as many naps as you can. If you're a pitta, you want to start like 8 a.m., 9 a.m., do a solid day of studying, wrap up by five o'clock, maybe six o'clock. If you're a kapha, you may want to start late and you may hit full steam ahead, low acceleration, high top speed. And like at 8 p.m., you may just, you may just be getting started then. Right. So you, as kaphas, you can, you can, you're going to kind of like learn, like it's going to like ramp up and then you'll really be chugging. It's like the Starcraft equivalent of two rapid expansions before you build your first like military unit. Right. That's like, that's a guffa. Like, vatas are rush strategies. Bittas are like two base timing attacks. And guffas are like, I'm going to span all over the map before I build a zergling. And then I'm going to go from 50 to 200 supply and I'm going to roll over everyone late game. Rush, rush strat, mid game, late game. Okay. Easy. Gaming analogy. Done. Who needs a complex answer? Got a gaming analogy. 
What if you're 50% Vata and 50% Pitta? Great question, right? So you want to do something in the middle. You don't want to go for a hard rush, but you want to do an early game timing attack with the option to expand like into mid game, right? So you may want to start a little bit early. You may not want to take a nap. You may be able to go a little bit longer. Vata's like, so as a Vata, what I would do is study like four, two hour blocks in a day, potentially. I mean, really, I only study two hours a day, but like I would study at a two hour block. As a Pitta, you may be able to swing a three hour block or a four hour block. Um, do we have a test for Ayurvedic dosha? Another thing that we want to research, right? So there are tests out there for your Ayurvedic dosha. I know it sounds crazy, like none of these have been scientifically verified. I haven't been able to find a single one that's actually scientifically verified. So we're in the process of developing one. It turns out that that is actually very hard to do, but we're working on it. Okay. Vata Kapha is a little bit confusing, for sure, because oftentimes the way that I explain Vata and Kapha is that they're at opposite ends of the spectrum and Pitta's in the middle. But for a Vata Kapha kind of person, you know, it depends on which attributes of your mind are Vata and which attributes are Kapha. So what is your attention span like? Do you come online fast or do you like come online later? Like you may have Vata attributes of each one. So like a Vata Kapha may be someone who starts studying at six in the morning and wraps up at 4 p.m. So it's actually like, you know, it's like a 10 hour studying marathon, but they like kind of, you know, wrap up quickly. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. How do you get to identify them though? So we're going to try to put together something for, um, you know, worksheets for Dr. K's guides at least. So we're working on that now. There are questionnaires and stuff. I think there's a questionnaire on our Discord somewhere. Um, that's like a, um, you know, th there are questionnaires, but we're I'm, I'm making that myself. And once we have a good one, we'll let you know. Um, yeah, so like there's, uh, check out like, so Tech Teller Pog, good job. Is there a link? Check out the wiki. Um, yeah, so the, oh, dude, that's wiki's great, dude. Great job, Tech Teller. Um, okay. How do you plan on expanding beyond gamers? <laughs> so on the one hand, we've, we've left gamer, like we've expanded way beyond gamers chat. And on the other hand, I have no desire to do that. <laughs> So, like, I kid you guys not. Like, so we have a parent pilot at Healthy Gamer. Like, we help, we, like, have, like, parents who will get coaching. And, like, we'll teach them how to talk to their kids with video games. Like, who, like, play too many video games. Like, I, I just had a, an interesting conversation with a group of parents, and they were like, how do we get our kid to understand? And I was like, you start by understanding his point. Like, the problem is that, like, everyone is trying to get their kids to understand their point. Where it's like, no one's trying to understand, like, like, why does your kid do this? Like, they don't know. They've never bothered to ask. So we've expanded beyond gamers. It's happened already. I don't know if you guys get this, but most of what we talk about is not video game addiction. Like, 5% of what we talk about is video game addiction, or less. 
So we we're way past gamers. And also, yeah, I, you know, I'm not. I'm with that. Thanks for the raid, Sarui. Welcome everyone. Um. So. Yeah. Th thanks for the raid. So welcome. We're going to... I'm Dr. K. I'm a psychiatrist. Nothing we talk about on stream is intended to be taken as medical advice. Go see a licensed professional. And uh, we're just doing kind of a, a mental health May wrap-up. We're just sharing like what we're doing as an organization, answering some questions, things like that. Hi, Raiders, and welcome. GG stands for good game. Which is what you... <laughs> I was gonna take it. I was gonna take a stab at Ruthie for you know the Harvard thing, but she's not feeling well, so we'll pass on that. Um, hi, Raiders. The first thing that you'll get is a legal disclaimer. Uh, do you have a podcast? I think we may have something up on Spotify, but I think we're gonna be working on something a little bit more. Um, where can I find your? Oh, yeah, so where can you find our research? So we're going to publish it, and then you can find it in an academic journal, but we'll probably upload it, you know, we'll make it available. Um, but you'll, we're going to publish it in a peer-reviewed journal. So, like, we've, we've submitted the incel paper to one journal. It got rejected. It was kind of, like, not their scope. So we submitted to a second journal. So hopefully once it gets approved, you'll be able to read it. Um... Uh, Dr. K's guides will be live probably in July. So I know this is kind of confusing, uh, not confusing, but the downside is that like, you know, if I had written a book, it wouldn't have been as good, but it would have been ready way faster. So the thing that's really cool is like, we actually have a team of like developers and designers who are amazing and are actually like building like a back, they're building a program basically. Like there's a lot of backend logic to the guides. There's like, you know, UI UX stuff. And so like that stuff is taking time to develop. As it turns out, building a choose-your-own-adventure of, like, informational stuff is, like, complicated. So we had the choice between, as I've joked about a couple of times, we can do the cyberpunk release, which is hype it up a lot and have it be a dumpster fire that barely works. Or we can do the Star Citizen release, which is no release at all and have something and raise a bunch of money and then have it in development, like raise, what, like $270 million dollars? And then just have it in development for the better part of a decade. And what we're going to strike, we're, what we're shooting for is somewhere in the middle. We're like, it was supposed to be, we actually wanted to launch it in May, right? Because like Mental Health Awareness Month. But frankly, like to make it a good experience, we're shooting for a minimal vi minimum viable product, which is not going to have everything. Um, it's going to have like the most important stuff, but there are other things that we're planning on adding to it over time. It should be like a complete experience, like definitely doable. But there's some things like we want to create more supplements and things like that. But like the research is going to be there. The worksheets are going to be there. The videos are going to be there. The branching logic is going to be there um, and things like that. Do you think today's feminism is a God thing? I'm not really sure that feminism is related to theism. Do you believe in toxic masculinity? Once again, is that like a religious question? Um do you discuss about breathing in your guide? Yes. We talk a lot about breathing and several breathing meditation techniques. Um, so, Dr. K, any thoughts on psilocybin research for depression and other mental illnesses? Yeah, the research is promising and at the same time, I think a little bit misleading because what we don't have good literature on, even though it's a very common occurrence, is 
like case reports of bad things that happen when you use hallucinogens, right? So like, like I think this is where uh, the research is really promising, but that research is done in controlled environments. So like the studies on psilocybin, for example, will have two or three doses of psilocybin done in controlled environments over like eight or 12 weeks. And you process each of those experiences with a therapist, which is what leads to good clinical outcomes. And so some people will use these substances without the guidance of a therapist, and they also get, you know, they have good experiences with it, which is totally fine. And some people use that stuff, and I've worked with these people before, and will have lifelong, like, new anxiety or PTSD from it. So it can be dangerous, too. So I think that, like, the research shows that it is promising, but as we have learned in medicine the hard way, a lot of promising treatments come with, like, real problems when you apply them to mass scale. So be careful. Um, yeah, so we, so, so people are asking about Ayurvedic doshas. So Ayurveda is a part of the guides, but in an introductory format. So Ayurveda, as it relates specifically to depression and anxiety are in the guides. So there are like maybe two or three videos. There's like a small section about Ayurveda, um, diet herbs for depression and for anxiety. And so that's there, but we want to make a, a more in-depth guide to Ayurveda down the line. Is there a way to make an appointment with you? No. Um, and this is one of my biggest regrets in terms of working at Healthy Gamer. So like, on the one hand, I, I gotta be honest with y'all, so I like to stream. But what I really love doing is like individual work. Like I love working with like individual people. Like I, I love hanging out with people, you know, it, and I think like the guide is cool and all, but in my heart of hearts, what I really love doing is just talking to people. Like I love doing individual work. Like my dream is to one day, you know, retire and then just go back to being a dude who has an office where people like show up and we kind of sort things out one-on-one. -on -one. Um, isn't that what you do on stream? Yeah. Why do you think I do that on stream instead of anything else? Right. So the only difference on stream is I'm still talking to someone one-on-one because -on -one that's what I love to do. It's just there happen to be a couple thousand people watching or in the case of, you know, once we get, once it rolls over to YouTube, a couple hundred thousand people, but you know, you would have it that. Yeah. So we've got, I've got a big waiting list, man. It's sad. Like, I feel bad sometimes because people are looking for help and I just don't, you know, I just can't work with like 10,000 people. I just can't do that. Um, uh, so someone's asking, I'm very happy, but want to understand myself to be more productive and stay happy. Is it worth looking into your guide? I'd say absolutely. Because so this is why we kind of bundle things, right? There's the so I'd say like, I don't know if the depression or anxiety thing is going to help you very much, but I definitely check out the meditation guide because that's what it's sort of for, right? So it's not just like meditations. It's also like understanding the nature of stuff. Like what did the meditative folks believe about different kinds of things? Like what is the nature of self? What is the nature of happiness? What is the nature of knowledge? So it's just an introduction. I mean, it's still like, you know, 15, 20 videos or whatever. So there's a lot there, but it's a decent introduction, but it's just an introduction. Um, Why do people deserve anything in life, good or bad, if we didn't choose to be born? Okay, so that's a fascinating question. Okay, so Magic Carp has a great question. Um, 
why do you why do people deserve anything in life good or bad if we didn't choose to be born okay now we're gonna go on a different no more harvard andy okay we're gonna do like meditation andy so the first question is where do you get the idea that you didn't choose to be born Okay, so like then that gets to the question of like, you know, like, did you make choices that you have no recollection of? So, so it's interesting, right? Because, because hold on a second, because if you're saying that, let's be scientific. Is it possible to make choices that you have no recollection of? The answer is absolutely yes. I can guarantee you 100% that when you were eight months old, you made a choice to try to pick up an object, and you have no recollection of that making that choice. It is absurd. So, like, then it gets kind of weird, because what is the foundation that we're using to assume that we didn't make a choice? It's lack of memory, because that's a terrible foundation. Think about all the choices that you've made in your life. How many of them do you recall? On March 21st, 2018, what did you choose to have for lunch? Do you remember? If you don't remember, does that mean that no choice existed? Okay, so it's kind of interesting. So let's start there. So, did you make a choice? Who knows? Right? So you can say that, okay, well, like, I cannot conceive of a biologically, so let's like push this back, okay? So now I'm going to offer the counter-argument. I cannot conceive, there is no evidence that there, that uh, a sentient being can make a choice before they exist. So the choice, like the my birth is a consequence of choices that are not mine, because how can I make a choice without a fucking brain? Like, what are you talking about, Dr. K.? Like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Excellent point, right? So now we get to a really interesting uh, fork in the road. So the first is, do is there any existence of self prior to a physical body? And now this is where you can say there's no scientific evidence of that, which is also completely correct and completely acceptable. And at the same time, people, so this is where like we kind of think a little bit about the nature of subjective experience and whether subjective experience correlates to reality. So if I have a memory of a past life, how do I interpret that? Because if I have no physical evidence that, the, that I was something in a past life, the natural scientific and logical conclusion is that no such thing exists. And so this is where I think at the end of the day, this answer is truly to be understood through something like meditative experience. So I'll give you guys just an example. So I'm not saying that this is real, okay? So I, I think like there's no scientific basis for making a choice before you have a brain. It's fucking dumb. I'll concede that point. But at the same time, I also want to point out that like that's a different argument from I don't remember making the choice, right? Those are different arguments because one of them is I don't remember isn't a good reason. The fact that I had no brain is like a far better reason. And those are actually different, different arguments. So then like, I'll give you guys just an interesting example. So I've worked with a lot of people who've done psychedelics. 
And the interesting thing is that people who do psychedelics tend to have conserved experiences across the spectrum of like meeting people or things that are like not real. Right. So how do we understand that? Like, is this a hallucination? Okay, maybe. But what happens when you have a population that has a conserved experience by conserved? I mean that many people within the population share the same experience. So is that thing like real or not real? Right. So this is kind of interesting because you could say like, okay, is this what are you saying that if a lot of people like experience God and that means God exists, I'm not saying it exists. I'm just saying like, how are we from metaphysical, metaphysical and epistemological state? How are we going to interpret the common conserved experience of multiple human beings? Are we calling that real or not real? So I'll give you guys just an example. So if we think about something like love, right? Like is love a real thing? It's a conserved human experience, humor, right? So you can do some kind of neurological correlation, but just because something gets correlated to neurology doesn't mean that that is where it exists. And I think this is something that I, I sort of disagree with with a lot of the scientific community. So I think that you can have a phenomenon that exists in one dimension that also transcends that dimension. So the best example that I can think of is it, even though I can't see wind, you can't literally see wind, but you can see the effects of wind on like a sheet that is hanging outside to dry, right? So the actual physical observation is the sheet, and you can infer that there's wind, even though there is no direct observation of wind. You can't see wind. You can never see wind. It's impossible to see wind. It's invisible. There's no direct sensory experience through sight of wind. There is simply the effect of wind that you can observe with sight. And so when it comes to neuroscientific phenomenon, I think this is an interesting correlation. I don't know if I lost you guys at this point, but like this is where just because something correlates to a neuroscientific experience doesn't mean that it exists solely within the neuroscience. And it's almost like a ghost in the shell kind of way. Like, so if I rage in a game, what actually exists? Is there a neuroscientific correlation to rage? Does my fMRI change? Absolutely. But is that the only place or the only extent to which rage exists? Is within the brain. So then how do you describe, like, because I, I know it sounds kind of weird, but a brain is a physical matter and the feeling is like a different dimension of existence. Right? There's no physicality to rage. Like, sure, I can point to an MRI and I can say there's more blood flow to this part of my brain. Like, my amygdala and my limbic system are getting more blood flow. I totally get that. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. But does that capture the whole of the subjective experience? And so uh, this is where, you know, people will disagree. I am of the mind that subjective experience has its own substance, which correlates to biology but that the two are actually like fundamentally different stuff. It's like energy and matter. It's like fundamentally different stuff. You can't touch an experience. You can't see an experience. You can't hear an experience. You can't biopsy an experience. And yet it still exists. I forget what, I, what question I was asking. Oh yeah, so how did you know that, you know, what do you deserve because you didn't make a choice? So then we get to a really interesting question, which is that, like, is there some quality of experience which transcends the body? And is it possible that your soul made a choice? 
That's a question that you have to answer. I can give you my answer, but it doesn't mean anything, right? Because I could just be delusional. It's like, I could be a construction. I could be a hallucination. I'm just some like collection of pixels and audio from the internet. So this is where you have to answer that question for yourself. And the second thing is when you talk about deserving, that implies a morality. But this is where I'd say like karma. So karma is kind of interesting because really what karma means is a principle of cause and effect. So if I hold this pencil up and I drop it, does the pencil deserve to fall? Like, does it deserve to do that? No, it's just a natural consequence of the events that happened before. So why are you adding deserving into that? The reason you exist is just because of the consequence of the actions that happened before, i.e. your parents probably had sex and your mom got pregnant. And that is the karma, that's just karma. It's cause and effect. So there's no deserving. Like you could say that the consequence of you being born is not like some cosmic moral deserving. Like there's no evidence of that. There's just a clear sense that actions have consequences. Like gravity has consequences. Pregnancy has consequences. Birth has consequences. And so what the reason you exist is because of the consequences of actions from the past. And this is why I love Twitch chat, because in a conversation like this, I see Swamini says dads are chads. <laughs> Facts. What if I'm an IVF baby? That's why I said chances are your parents had sex. But if you go back and you watch the VOD, you will see that I did not say that your parents had sex. Prevented. Blocked. Dodged. From a yogic view, do people choose to be born then? Sort of, yes. So now this is something I feel comfortable answering. If you ask me the what what way is the world, I can't, I can't answer that, dude. Like, I don't know. But what I can share is what different groups of people believe, right? So there's like the biological approach, which says that, you know, there's like consciousness is purely like an effect. It's a hologram that emerges from like neurons. That's like, you know, the biological physical approach and nothing like a soul exists. Completely fair, completely valid. On the flip side, there's the yogic view, which is that we have some element of existence, which is like transient to like matter and energy, that like matter and energy can like not, it cannot be created or destroyed and simply transform. And that there's a third element called consciousness, which also can be like transformed, but cannot be created or destroyed. If we say that nothing in the universe can be created or destroyed, what happens to your consciousness? Right? So you have consciousness, which is not matter and is not energy. It's a subjective experience, which is like a different quality of things. Does it correlate to matter and does it correlate to energy? Absolutely. Just like energy of a wave propagating through like, you know, an, the ocean correlates with something in matter. There's some connection there where the two of those things touch. And a wave is like a pattern of matter movement, right? So in that way, there's like, there are correlations. Absolutely. But energy and matter are two different things. And like the yogic view is that there's this third thing called consciousness, which also cannot be created or destroyed. And so like continues after death in some form. Is that real? Like, I don't know. That's for you to decide. Like, this is where I'd say like, this is where, you know, you should do meditation and like do meditation that give you insight into your past lives. And then you figure it out. Because like, here's the question for y'all is like, if like, I remember what I did yesterday, right? Like I have a memory of what happened yesterday. What happens when I wake up and I have memories from a life that is not this one? How do I understand that as a human being? 
And like, it's the same quality of memory. Like I remember existing. I remember having feelings. I remember it's just like, it just not, isn't me. Like, how do you understand that? It's called a dream. Very good. Okay. Very, very, very good. Okay. So now we get to a really interesting question, which is, is the quality of experience in dreams just as real as the quality of experience in reality? Is the feeling, if I'm afraid in a dream, how is that different from fear in real life? Right? So this is where I'd say, like, if you guys are wanting answers from me, you're not going to get them. Because here's what, I'd, here's what I'd really recommend. My recommendation is that you learn techniques to become aware in dreams. And you do something like lucid dreaming. And you observe the quality of experience. Like, y'all, like, this is important. So I'm not here to give y'all information. I'm here to give you experiments. This answer is something that you have to find for yourself. Like, don't trust me, like Harvard Andy or not Harvard Andy. Like, because I could be wrong, right? Like, my experience, like, all of the knowledge that I've gained is not actually correlated with reality because that's just my experience of this stuff. So you, the tradition of meditation that I learned is that, like, the only way to truly know is to, like, do it yourself, you can't ever know what, you know, a strawberry pie tastes like until you taste it. That should be the foundation of your understanding of life. That is my recommendation. That you can't know if you enjoy sex until you have it. Right? That, like, ultimately, that is what you should do. If you want to know what it's like to be in love, you should fall in love. If you want to know what it's like to be successful, you should go and, like, work at being successful. And if you want to understand the nature of happiness, you should find love and you should find success and you should see if you're happy afterward. And strive for those things and learn for yourself because like, what is one random guy in the, like, if I say whatever, like you guys can believe me, but that's going to be belief. It's not going to be experience. Just be successful. <laughs> that's a whole different path. That's what the Siddhipada is for, the path of accomplishment. How do you become successful? I thought I asked, asked this question. Ed had said, is it possible to have a one-on-one -on -one with me? Generally speaking, no. And I don't, I'm not saying that to be mean. It's just like, literally, I have no idea. I want you guys to... The, okay, so like, let me ask y'all, because maybe you can... It occurred to me. I, I don't know why I've never asked y'all for help. So like, let's say I've got a list of a thousand people that want to do one-on-one -on -one sessions with me. What should I do? I'm asking you. Do So, like, when you say do it, what does that mean? Like, how often do I see it? How often do I see them? Like, how many should I do a week? So I pick randomly. And how many hours should I do this per week? 30 a week. So I should stop streaming and shut down Healthy Gamer. Because that's what 30 a week will cost. So when someone says as much as you can, so like, I want y'all to think about this for a second, okay? So how much can I do? Like, like I work right now 50 to 60 hours a week. And so then, then the question is, I'm serious, like, what should I do? 
So now I have another question. So generally speaking, in my experience, one hour is not really enough to like help someone significantly. In my experience, working with someone like over the course of three to six months is really what helps them change. So should I give everyone one hour and like it not maybe, I mean, I don't think it's effective. Maybe they think it's effective or should I do what I think is effective? Okay, so for someone says four hours a week for two random people. So now I'm going to give you guys the actual number. So the actual number is like somewhere between 10 and 50,000. So if I do 10, if I do four hours a week, let's say I work 48 weeks a year, that's 192 people um, per year. Or am I doing two hours or one hour? And so if there's like, let's assume 30,000 people, it'll take me 156 years to get to everyone if I closed up applications now. So in 10 years, I could see 2,000 people. This, like, so what, when, when people say like, oh, like, you know, can you see me one? I, like, I'm genuine, like, I'm curious. So when people say hire a team, like, why do you guys think we have a coaching program? Like, literally, like, this This is the problem that I face. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean, it's just, I'd love to work with everyone, right? So, like, we've now had, I think, over 4,000 coaching clients. So, we've actually made a dent in the people who are asking for help. Interesting thing is, if you look at the outcomes, most coaches are just about as good as I am. Right. So it seems like they actually like their outcomes are comparable to mine. And that's why we're doing it. Like, that's why we're hiring coaches again. Right. Because like this number keeps going up. And so now with the foundation, we can also like support, we can continue to support people. About 10% of our coaching clients have been free. I think maybe, maybe more, maybe less. I'm not a hundred percent sure that changes every week to week. Um, Yeah, so I, I mean, my problem is one of fairness. Like, I just don't, I don't, it doesn't feel fair to me. Like, I mean, sure, you could make an argument that it's RNG and it's karma and like this person lucked out. But like, I mean, what the fuck, chat? Like, do you guys realize how shitty that is? Like, just think about that. Like, oh, like, you lucked out. Like, you get one hour with Dr. K. Like, aren't you, aren't you thrilled? You're so lucky. It's like you won the lottery. Like, how narcissistic and cultish can you get? It just rubs me the wrong way. Now, I do work with random people. Like sometimes just we'll just take someone, right? Like, like when I'm done working with someone, we'll just pick someone from the list. So we do it from time to time. But it's like, I don't, you know, that's not, you know, like that's not what we want to create. Like we don't want to create, like it's not who we are as an organization. It's not like you're the chosen one and like you get to work with the Messiah. Like that's what we're trying to avoid. And it's this kind of thinking that gets us in that direction. You know, it's like, that's why we're going to start an organization. Like, it's going to be a company and people are going to pay money and we're going to have a nonprofit and you can do it for free and it's going to be charitable donations. There's not going to be like any of this weird mysticism to it, right? And there's going to be famous last words when I start a cult and then someone makes a documentary about it because they're going to show me in my younger years before I went off the rails and started buying Rolls Royces by the dozens. And that's great. It's great historical footage for when the cult starts.
but <laughs> but seriously like this is the problem that i have and I, I don't know how to i mean i guess this is a good way to wrap up but chat like this is why we're doing this right it's not like it's healthy gamer it's not like dr k's cult because I, I want y'all to really let this sink in for all of you who think that dr k is the only one for you like where do you get that idea what do you think i am like i'm a human I have some stats, some of the numbers are good, some of the numbers are bad, and I learned, I studied, and you can pass on that training to other people. Other people also have my training. Like, it's not clear that the only person that will help you is Dr. K. Like, I don't know how many of y'all have seen therapists, but if you haven't seen a therapist, you think Dr. K is the only one for you, like, you should try three or four therapists first, because I don't know how to explain this, but like, I'm a therapist. Part of what I do is like, what I learned as a therapist. And other people can do that too. It may not be exactly what I do, and I certainly have a lot of experience that like the average therapist doesn't have, so I'm not disputing that. But, you know, it's like, you know, it's like a burger is a burger. Like you can have the best burger in the world, you can have the worst burger in the world, but like most burgers are going to be kind of in the middle. And usually that's like enough if you're hungry. Um, and so, you know, like... I'm not the only one for you. I, I'm sorry to say that. And this is the other thing is like, this is why we have an organization. And this is why like it's AOE healing because y'all are going to help each other and we're going to like help you help other people. And it's great. Like I love talking to our coaches because our coaches like really love being coaches. And, you know, I can't share this, but there was a, you know, we had like a great session a couple months ago where people were just like, I'm so glad that I'm able to do this because I was lost. And like, now I'm like, helping people put their lives together and it like feels good to like make the world a better place and that's what we're about and like you guys don't need me you need each other and so like be that for each other and like you know by all means apply i'm not going to say become a coach because i you know we're hiring for like 20 positions and like 800 applications so like that's long shot enough and like the more people we train, like the more people we're going to affect, like you guys cannot, this is not going to work if it's a person. It's just when we look at suicide rates that are increasing by 40 to 50% in 20 years, one person cannot fix that. I mean, sure as hell, I'm going to try, right? I'm going to make YouTube content. We're going to do a research study about whether that improves mental health. Like what on earth? Like we'll do that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a numbers game. Like, it's going to be, like, what we can do together as a community because it's, like, AOE, dude. It's a raid boss. You can't solo raid bosses. You got to, like, party up with other people. And it's, like, server-wide events. This is the server-wide suicide event where we need, like, server-wide stuff going on to, like, deal with this, like, community event that has been lasting for 20 years. And it's, like, what are we going to do as a server? It's like opening the gates of Ankaraj, right? Like we've all got to grind together and we've got to put in the hours and we have to support each other and it's all towards a common goal. And I may be like, you know, the dude who's like the highest level and has all the epic loot and shit like that. Fine. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, completely average. But at the same time, it's not like, you know, I only have two hands. I have one brain. I have one mouth. I have two ears. You know, it's like, I can only do so much. And it's not like I can do 10 times as much as y'all can. Like I may be able to do like 1.2, 1.5 as much as like what you can. But 
it's still in the same ballpark and don't underestimate what y'all can do for each other. Yeah, I mean, when we say I'm only human, like, yeah, like, that's something you learn in medicine is it doesn't matter, like, everyone's only human. But it also means that if you guys think I'm special, like, I, I know it sounds kind of weird, but y'all can be special too. Because if I can do it as a human, like, you can do it as a human. Like, most of our character sheet is the same. It's not like I'm an alien life form. You know, it's like, we're like born, like, we're all, the character generation is basically the same. And then it's just like, work through the stuff that you need to do, grow in the way that you can, and people, like, need your help. Start to get your shit together. <laughs> uh, it's going to be great when someone, like, develops deep faking technology even better and has me, like, unzipping my face and, like, becoming a lizard, like, and uploads it to YouTube as, like, leaked to real Dr. K. Like, that's going to be, like... Oh, man. But seriously, Chad, I mean, this is the only way it's going to work because I can't do it. I mean, I hate to break it to y'all, but, you know, I'm human. And, like, when do I get to play games? Like, do I just have to work all the time? Like, don't I get to chill and I'm playing No Man's Sky right now? Kind of back into it. Seems like a great game. By the way, No Man's Skies. Talk about the dumpster fire release that really, like, redemption arc, chat. It's go so good. Hey, I see Andy Milanakis is in stream, dude. What's up, man? Long time no see. Yeah, like, it's great. Yeah, and I see people are, you know, offering thoughts of Rackful, which is like, you know, I hope he rests in peace, seriously. And I think he's also a great example of, like, what this community kind of needs, right? Like, because, I mean, he, you know, by being the person that he was, he opened so many eyes and he like really elevated like the awareness of mental health stuff. And it's at an absolute tragedy. And at the same time, like I respect him so much for doing, you know, like opening up and, and trying to show people that like life isn't easy. He gave a lot of people permission to seek help. We hear so many stories about like, I started with Recful and now I'm taking care of my life. So like that dude's like, you know, that's a raid boss, dude. Like that's the raid boss we had on our team. And so this is where, you know, like y'all need to step up and, and try to make the world a better place because I can't do it all. And that's not what we're about. So. Yeah, I saw, sometimes I watch his streams. It's kind of, you know, sad, but bittersweet. Um, okay. So let's do some meditation. All right. You guys want, okay, we're going to do chakra meditation. So we did, we're going to do the meditation that was promised. Okay. All right. So here's the meditation we're going to do today. Oh, dream stuff. Okay. Hold on a second. Let me think. No, we're going to do chakra meditation because the dream meditation is pretty simple. I've, I've The first step to the dream meditation I've taught before, but I feel like it'll be a little bit... Okay, we can do it. We can do it. Okay. <clears throat> so there's um, two or three... There's two techniques, okay? The first is very simple. Really hard, but very simple. As you're going to sleep, catch the moment of sleep. 
So notice the moment that you fall asleep. And so what that means is it's kind of weird, but like, y'all know that when you, um, so you're awake, like you're in bed and you're awake and then you fall asleep. And so consciousness turns off during that time and your mind can actually be active in sleep. That's what we call a dream, right? It's the activity of the mind without awareness is what we call a dream. And sometimes you'll even have awareness within a dream. You'll realize you're dreaming. So we can see that the quality of awareness and consciousness is actually independent of the quality of mental activity. Because otherwise, like, you know, because you can have a dream and you can be aware in a dream or you can be unaware in a dream. Usually you're unaware in a dream. Even in something like a daydream. So you can have your mind wandering and lose awareness. And that's what we call a daydream. It's like you lose track of time and your mind is still operating. So awareness and mind are actually separate qualities. So the first technique for sleep is to catch the moment of sleep. So watch, and you'll feel it, right? Like, I know it's kind of weird, but you'll feel as you start to drift off, you can start to, like, get close, like, you can hold on to your consciousness, like, a little bit more and a little bit more, and you're like, oh, I'm falling asleep now. And then you'll be out, and you'll lose the awareness. And then the next day, you can like go a little bit further, like catch the moment, like look for it, 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 catch it. You'll lose it anyway, so you'll fall asleep. And so in that way, keep trying to catch the moment of sleep. And as you catch the moment of sleep, something magical will happen. But that's where, you know, you have to try it. Um, so for people who want to who have trouble doing this. So like, let's say you say that, okay, Dr. K, I want to practice this more than like once a day. So the second thing that you can do is any kind of catching technique. So I'm going to give you guys like a hard one, which is, um, you can either tell yourself I am awake or I am asleep. It doesn't really matter. Just notice your existence. So you say to yourself, I am awake. Every time you cross a door. So anytime you go from one room into the next, I'll teach you all another catching technique, which is to catch the moment that you cross from one room into the next. And just notice your existence and your awareness in that moment. It's kind of weird, but like you can like, so... I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and just notice that you exist. Like notice that you can observe sounds, you can hear words, you can feel sensations. Notice your existence and be aware of what you are in this moment. And so what I want you all to do is grasp that awareness every time you walk through a door. Okay? It's not... <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Um, so it's not, uh, uh, it, it's not like, what was I going to say? Sorry. Andy's $1,600, $22 donation threw me off. I got to get back to what I was saying. Hold on. Really, bro. I appreciate the generosity. Hope you're doing well. Fuck. Damn it, Andy. Why does your generosity have to short circuit my mind? Um, <clears throat> so you can notice who you are in the moment and just take a snapshot of that every time you walk through a door. 
And so what that's going to do, it's going to be tricky, okay? So this is actually like a really hard technique because I don't know if you guys get this, but that is the, when you cross through a door, it is the hardest time to be aware. Because usually the reason you cross through a door is because you have a mental process running and it's hard to short circuit that process. So what you're going to be doing is training your brain to like wake up when it is in the middle of something. So this catching technique is actually really, really important, can help a lot with people who get stuck with opening up social media on their phone. So this is the technique that I use for people who get like, you know, like if y'all know what I mean, like any kind of transition before you realize it, you'll open up Reddit. You'll open something up like on your phone before you even realize it. It's like your mind is on autopilot and then you lose 15 minutes of your life. So the key there is you have to train the ability to wake up. And so the best way to do that is actually anytime you go through a doorway. And so it'll have added benefits, like you'll hopefully overcome some of your like content stuff, like, you know, content addiction, for lack of a better term. And at the same time, it'll train your mind to like wake up and hopefully you can catch the moment of sleep. Okay, we'll do chakra meditation on Monday. Questions, chat. Uh, so Thunder16 is asking, does lucid dreaming diminish the quality of your sleep? Is it actually bad for you long-term? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I haven't seen research on long-term effects of lucid dreaming. I, I also, I think part of the problem is like lucid dreaming is hard to study because I don't know that people can consistently do it. Um, but the short answer is I don't know. Okay, so struggle doing, uh, so Gentle Whale asks, struggle whale, struggle doing any kind of work for more than 20 minutes at a time. What's wrong with me? Is my vata just way too overtuned? Two hour blocks seem so long. Yeah, so is your vata overtuned? Possibly, but I'd say like, don't worry about what's wrong with you. Just play the hand that you're dealt. So if you can work for 20 minutes at a time, you work for 20 minutes at a time as many, as much as you can throughout the day. And over time, as you work, as you practice 20 minutes, You'll be able to work your way up to 21. You'll work your way up to 22. You'll work your way up to 23. I'm also not hearing from this person what is the amount of, what's the cool down on his 20 minute working period. So the Pomodoro technique is like work for 20 minutes, take a break for five and go back to working for 20 minutes. So instead of like, you, should you balance Bata? Like absolutely go for it. And at the same time, I'd say that you can actually do that pretty productively. Um, you know, the, the real question may not be how to increase your duration. It may be how to increase your frequency. So how many 20-minute blocks can you work in a day? And then the next question becomes, what keeps you from getting into a 20-minute block? That's the real money, right? Because if you can learn how to trigger the 20-minute block, you can take a 20, work for 20 minutes, your mind gets distracted, no big deal. Take a five-minute break, learn how to get back into the 20 minutes. Yeah, so for people saying cooldown is three months, so that's what you got to work on, right? Uh, so Thandur stream is a great question. So I think COVID put a damper on some of that stuff. Um, you know, because like the Thandur, the goal of the Thandur is like can feed like 15 people, but like we can't have 15 people over. The other problem with the tandoor is that it's actually like, I'm pretty good with a grill. Like I have a, you know, just a regular grill and like a charcoal grill, 
pretty good with that. Thondor is like really hard, dude. It's like such a high level instrument. Like you gotta, you know, like I tried to make non and it was like, it was okay, but it wasn't like delicious. And it's just so much work, dude. You gotta learn so much. Other problem that I had is like my kebabs kept falling off. Um, and so I, I'm just, it's just, you know, we'll do it. But like, we gotta wait until, we gotta wait until uh, COVID's gone. Have you ever had clients with DID? Yeah. So DID is dissociative identity disorder. Yeah, DID is interesting. All right, Andy, if you're ever in Texas, we'll make it for you, bro. I'll learn how to cook lamb vindaloo. That's, that's what you get for donating $1,600. An amateur second-rate lamb vindaloo. <laughs> With the genetic buff of being Indian by the maker. Oh, you know how to make it. Great, you probably make it better than I do. Sweet, dude. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to make that. GG. Um... Okay, who should we who should we raid? Andy, are you streaming? Dr. K, what do you think about reality shifters? Like, I don't know what that is. That sounds like either something on the sci-fi channel or What what is that? Is that like a game? Is Andy streaming? Dude, Andy, Andy, who should I raid? Buddy. Uh, yeah, Krishnamurthy collab may be tough, right? Isn't he no longer alive? Or did I miss that? Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff. Um, so the, for the person asking for meditation for guilt, um, we can, I can, let me just try to file that away. I already have a meditation plan for the next couple of weeks, but the whole point of the guides is that there are specific meditation techniques for things like guilt. So there's like meditation techniques for negative emotions. Quinn, 69. Okay, we can do that. Secondi's nuts. See, this is the thing. When you guys say something like, um, y'all want to raid Quinn 69 or... or CCNC. All right, we can raid. Is CCNC streaming? Wait, which which one? Quinn sixty nine or CCNC? Okay, dude, like they're in the upper division for the major. We can. Maybe a little bit, little bit of Dota bias. 